Welcome to Chasing Nichols with your host, Alan Schoenberger. Chasing Nichols is the podcast that helps business owners focus on actions that will have the greatest impact on their business. Now, here's your host, Alan Schoenberger. Today on Chasing Nichols, we're going to be discussing the good, the bad, and the ugly of what uh, business owners do when they run their business. And I am so happy to have as my guest on the program, Sam Curcio, who is a business broker and mergers and acquisition specialist for Transworld Business Advisors of New York. Welcome to the program, Sam. Thank you so much, Alan. It's a pleasure to be here. I appreciate you uh, having me on. Glad to have you here. I want to get right into it. You know, the the whole purpose of this podcast, Chasing Nichols, as I've often said, is to help business owners focus on action items that are going to move their business forward and not focus on the things that are going to have little or no impact on moving their business forward. Uh, and I know as an exit planning advisor, you're kind of helping your clients sell a business. However, the majority of the people listening may not be ready for the exit. Uh, but I always believe if you're a startup or you're you know anywhere between startup and a mature business, you should be thinking every day as if your business is for sale and preparing it for exit. So with that, maybe you can share some of the things that you see new business owners making or things that they shouldn't be focusing on? Yeah, that's an excellent question. And you're absolutely right. There's a lot of different things that business owners can be focusing on, but there are a few things that are going to have uh, a larger impact uh, on their business. And for new newer business owners, I think uh, a thing that most people overlook is that they don't focus on their strengths sometimes. Uh, I'm a big believer that if you're not good at something, you should be outsourcing that immediately, right? So if you don't like running the books of your business, hire uh, a bookkeeper, right? And so right. it's it's hard when you're first getting started to know, like, because you're kind of doing everything and uh, and I did as well, right? And you kind of have to fall into, okay, what do I like doing? What am I good at? And what can I outsource and, and who can I hire or bring in to take on the things that uh, maybe I'm not good at or I'm not looking to do? And uh, a big one, which we believe in at Transworld, is bookkeepers, uh, CFOs, uh, and accountants who can really keep the books in line because you're going to be making a lot of decisions based right. on the information that you have in your books. Agreed. You know, you you hit on something that I've said quite often, and I refer to uh, Michael Gerber's E Myth Revisited often. And mm -hmm. the big takeaway from his book is working on your business, not in your business. And what he means by that is, you know, so many business owners uh, have the technical skills and know know what their business is about, but they don't know anything about actually running a business, right? So I know I, I, I'm not a fan of using the the widgets as an ex as an example, but right now that's what I'm going to use. You know, someone might know, I know how to make and sell widgets, but they don't know all the other stuff. They don't know the bookkeeping. They don't know, uh, the, you know, the financials, or they may not have, uh, you know, HR skills or marketing skills or any of the other skills that are necessarily run a business. And yet that's what they're attempting to do as a, as a small business owner. And what they really should be doing is focusing on what they know and outsourcing and hiring the rest. And I think what's, in, what's important in what you said is 
it doesn't have to be a full-time person. As a startup, you may not need a full-time bookkeeper or a full-time CFO, uh, but there are there are people out there that you can hire to kind of come in on a part-time basis to do that work for you so that you can focus on the areas that are within your wheelhouse and skill set. Absolutely. And we're actually a big believer uh, in that book, uh, The E-Myth, because a lot of owners are not aware that they're actually working in their business and not on their business. And so that's a great way. I mean, as far as books go, it's a great book. I've read it. I always recommend new business owners read it um, because it's true. You do want to be working on your business and not in your business. And sometimes, and I get it, you have a passion. You Mm -hmm. love to work in your business. You're there, you're in it, you're meeting the customers. And sometimes you just get drawn away from working on your business because you enjoy working in your business. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? Um, but there's a lot of great services out there. I mean, there are fractional CFO services. There are part-time right. bookkeeping services. And you'd never be afraid to ask for help. I mean, there are so many people and so many companies that love small business owners to just reach out to someone and say, hey, do you know, like, is there a bookkeeper or is there somebody I can talk to once a quarter about uh, my financials or, or hiring? Or is there an attorney that I need to speak with about uh, what my ops manual should look like? Mm-hmm. The, you know, there are people that are happy to refer you to the right people. Right, right, right. And I don't want to beat this uh, topic to death. Uh, but I, I do think it's very important because it may be the single biggest reason that uh, startup businesses fail. I, I know a lot of people think it's financing, which can certainly be an issue, not having enough money to keep the business running in those initial years when it's probably not profitable. Uh, but, but I think right up there, if, it is, if it's not number one, it's number two, is not outsourcing and trying to do too much and taking it all on yourself. Absolutely. I would agree with that statement. Uh, we find that typically the businesses that don't succeed are usually undercapitalized, right? Mm-hmm. So that is a big thing. They don't uh, anticipate how much money it's really going to cost to get going and getting ramped up. Right. And it's why we at Transworld believe in buying a business that's already established and has a customer base and has a cash flow, because you're much more likely to succeed in that scenario versus building it yourself. Um, it's just a different type of struggle. And we think that it's it's really putting the odds in your favor in the in, in when you buy a business that has cash flow. And but yes, number two is burnout, right? So right. it's a lot of work. And if you start hating what you're doing, you're not gonna have the passion to wake up every morning and, and get after it. So yes, absolutely. Uh, and then, you know, we talked a little bit now about the new businesses, you know, startups and so forth, but l- let's move on to somewhat more mature businesses, right? So maybe they've gotten past that part where they are starting to outsource the right pieces of the puzzle. That's still not to say they're not necessarily making mistakes. You mentioned, you know, play to your strengths earlier and focus on your strengths. Maybe can you give an example of a more established business, common things you're seeing them focus on that might be weaknesses that they should be avoiding? So uh, actually a big thing is, uh, especially in businesses that are brick and mortar, and this could go for service businesses as well, is that we kind of fall into a routine once a business is established and running. Mm -hmm. And we may not see that there is now a better way. Maybe there's a better technology or maybe in in a physical space, like maybe the floors are getting worn down or maybe the door's a little creaky. And Mm -hmm. because we're in it every day, we're just accustomed to that's the way the business is. And we're not really getting that outside perspective on what can I refresh? What can I change? do, Do we need to change personnel? Do we need to change hours? Do we need to update our awning or our flooring? And uh, one business owner that I worked with, 
and on a deal that we had, he said that every year he always had a budget uh, of, of at least five to up to $15,000 to do updates within his business uh, so that every year there was something fresh because he knew that we want to stay fresh. We want to stay current. Um, and sometimes it was implementing a new POS and sometimes it was putting in uh, new front doors. Excellent. So you, you brought up two great points there. One about uh, not necessarily embracing a new way of doing things or technology is what I kind of heard you say. And look, it's I think it's human nature for people to be resistant to change. Uh, but I think we do need to be open-minded at all times. I think the most successful business owners and leaders are open-minded and willing to try new things and take the risk that, you know what, this is a change that will hopefully benefit and help my company grow, but there's a chance it may not work and fail, but still be be willing to take that risk. Right. And that's absolutely true. And uh, in finance, I'll teach you like that. If it doesn't work out, it's just a sunk cost. Right. right. And so maybe this POS doesn't work out, but that doesn't mean that if you evaluated a different POS that you shouldn't go that route if it makes more sense for your business uh, or whatever it might be, whether it be uh, investing in technology or vehicles or a new build out. Um, so yes, it, that is re- a really important. And I think that evaluating it against good books and records, right? So right. understanding is what does it, is it going to make a positive impact on my business if I make this change? Right. And then the other thing you said earlier is about uh, sometimes not seeing uh, something that's wrong because sometimes you're just too close to a situation. This may not be the perfect analogy, but and if you've ever walked into a room and maybe for some reason there's a funny smell in the room and you're like, oh, what's that funny smell? And then you've been in the room for a while and you become accustomed to it. You don't smell that, but then somebody new comes in the room and they make that comment. And I think that's sometimes the problem with our own businesses is we're too close to a situation and we can't see what's wrong. And we need that outside fresh pair of eyes to identify that and help us make those changes. Absolutely. And sometimes it's little things that they, maybe a business owner is brushing off, right? Like there's a, you know, it makes me kind of crazy when I walk into business and there's like one light bulb that's out. Right. It's like it's one light bulb. It should take two minutes to to change. Right. Um, I was in a business the other day that still had the uh the, the little pieces of paper from New Year's inside mm-hmm. the like you could see them inside the lamp, you right. know. And it's like you should be cleaning that out and making sure that everything is fresh because if I'm noticing it, so are your customers and so Absolutely. are your employees, right? And the standard that you hold for your business is the is what the standard everyone else is going to expect uh, and appreciate. Right, and and I think sometimes there's that message. Well, if they're allowing that piece of paper to be on the floor, that light to be burned out, what else are they not taking care of that's going to be truly important to me as that customer or client? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. yeah. All right. So I think we've talked about some of the some of the, the negatives <laughs> a bit much. Let let's let's flip that. What are some of the good things you're seeing successful entrepreneurs doing and working on to keep their business uh, successful and growing? It's an excellent question. One of the things uh, in a meeting I was just in today, this woman has a, a retail operation and she has really detailed operations manuals, training manuals, uh, conflict resolution uh, manuals. So coming into that business, if they have those things and they're very detailed about th- these kinds of things that most businesses don't have, how are they running the rest of their business? 
right? And these are important because these are going to save you a lot of time in the future, especially once you do have maybe a, a GM or a supervisor who comes into that position, you can then start delegating some of that training because there's a manual that says exactly how the training should happen. And then you can pass that burden off of you from training the new employees to them to train because they have a roadmap of how to do it. Um, yeah. So it was also one of the things that my wife did when she first got her business, she immediately went to creating manuals. Uh, step by step, very detailed. And it's a big help because you can just turn that over and s- somebody can use that to train the next person. Yeah, that you know that's an important one. And I actually uh, spoke about that in a prior podcast. So there's, there's several things to touch on there. First, uh, when you are ready to sell your business, a prospective buyer is going to look positively on a business that has written policies and procedures. Uh, and, and there's several reasons for that is, you know, if all of the knowledge, if all of the know-how is with the business owner, when that business owner leaves the business, so does all the value, right? Right. Absolutely. And we want to make sure that we're maximizing value at exit. And right. a lot of business owners, we, it's funny because we come into some businesses and people will say, well, everyone here loves me and everyone knows me. And the reason they come here is because of me. And immediately we're saying, okay, well, let's change that. They should come to your business because you have a great business and you have a great service or product and you have great employees. So that way, when you're not here, those customers love your business, even without you being here. Um, So yeah, and that's a big thing. And, And developing those manuals is going to help that process. And especially for a buyer, I mean, it is true that if all the information is inside that owner's head and they walk out the door, is all of that knowledge leaving with them. And that comes up almost every single time we go into a transaction. Right, right. But there's also uh, advantages uh, while a business owner is running and operating the business. And one of them is it gives them an opportunity to take a vacation and hopefully not have to worry that things are being taken care of while they're away. And I think that's something a lot of business owners keep things close to the vest uh, for whatever reason, you know, fear of sharing the information or whatever. Uh, but at the same token, then, you know, they're, they're only hurting themselves because they can't take that time off. And this is true. To. We hear that often, right? Well, a business owner will say, well, I can't, maybe it's, I can't trust my employees to do it, or sure. they don't do it as good as me. And the reality right. is, is, of course they don't. It's not their business. The level of passion and commitment you're going to have for your business is just different than what an an employee is going to have. And it's almost, uh, you know, uh, the fact that you would have the expectation that somebody else who doesn't own that business has the same level of intensity as you is not right. So when we're talking to a business owner and they want us to go on vacation, like you said, they really need to train the person and make sure that they're to a level where they can succeed in the business and run the business in a way that is going to continue to provide a high level product or service, but it doesn't always have to be to the, your level or your expectation because it's always going to be higher, right? Like I always am much right. harder on myself than I would be uh, an employee. Right. And, you know, and then the, the other advantage of that is uh, when employees uh, feel like they're properly trained to do things and don't have to go ask somebody for help or, uh, just ask them, did I do this right? Or did I not do this right? Is there's a sense of empowerment. And I think that also leads to uh, employees feeling like they've, uh, that they're actually part of something and not just being told what to do. This is absolutely true. And we actually had a scenario with another owner. She had uh, three uh, location uh, retail locations where she was selling apparel. And 
she had a GM and a director of operations, and they basically were trained to a level where they were running the business on their own. And this owner could basically step away from the business for a month or more at a time and know that it's being run properly. But they already had the passion and they grew into that leadership role. Right. Right. And you know, one other thing I want to mention before we leave the topic of of operations, policies, and procedures is I often do get pushback when I talk to that about business owners. They just think, well, that's just for manufacturing business. And certainly I I can see where in manufacturing, you know, policies and procedures and how things get done, it makes sense. And I get pushback from those in the professional services world like myself. Well, you know, I can't have cookie cutter advice and I'm not saying that that's the case, but there are pieces of that business that can be systematized, such as the client onboarding process, right? Every client should be brought on the same way and have the same experience. And I think if you have written documented policies and procedures on what gets done when a new client comes on board, uh, that's going to be beneficial to your firm and to your clients. This is absolutely true. And it's also going to make sure that the quality of that service is maintained, right? Because if I'm treating somebody one way and somebody else in my firm is treating somebody a different way, then maybe there's a standard that we're not meeting because we're not following that onboarding process with a new client, right? Right. Absolutely. Any other things you're seeing uh, successful entrepreneurs doing that we might want to share with the audience? Let me think, what is something else that's good that uh, I see them doing? Not afraid of taking risk, right? So owners who are out there that are trying new things, right? So maybe it's uh, social media marketing through influencers, right? It's kind of interesting or unknown. I mean, you don't know, but you're not going to know if your business is successful at doing it unless you try it. This is the the reality. And there's a lot of people that are like, it's okay. I'm going to you know, spend some money trying it. And if it doesn't work out, I'll go back to Google pay-per-click or whatever it might be that they were doing previously. Um, so I've seen owners be su- successful in that and um, and adopting technology quickly and, and not being, again, not being afraid to make those mistakes. Everyone makes mistakes. And the reality is, is that business owners in general make seven times more mistakes than the average person. Uh, I was so aware of that. Yeah. So you, you really just have to get out there and try things. And uh, sometimes things work and sometimes they don't. And sometimes they work for a little while and then they don't. Right. right. So um, so then you have to pivot and, and things change, right? The economy changes, uh, culture changes, weather's changing, right? So there's all kinds of different things that we have to take into account. Um, and we, we just have to ebb and flow with it as well. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Like every, I think every person that's ever started a business has some appetite for risk because starting a business has got its share of risks. Uh, but I agree with you, you know, the most successful business owners have taken other risks while they're operating their business. And I think the key there is, is though that they are educated and calculated risks rather than just, you know, wild guesses. <laughs> Absolutely. And that comes into talking to the right people, right? Whether it's your financial advisor, whether it's your accountant, whether right. it's an attorney or a business broker or a business consultant, right? It's again, building, I'm a big believer in building the right team um, because I know just right. from my own business that if I want a deal to get done, I need the right team around me to help me through that process because it's a very complicated and difficult process. Right. And so running a business is the same way, right? It's much more difficult if you don't have the right people around you. And so you should be looking to build that team um, even if it's a, a young business and especially if it's a more mature business. Agreed. Agreed. 
Uh, so we, I think we threw a lot at the audience so far in terms of the good and the bad. Uh, any last things you want to share? Maybe one kind of takeaway. If the audience were to only remember one thing from listening to us today, what would you recommend? I know this might uh, come up often, but my biggest recommendation is keeping good books and records. And I think that an action step in that is having possibly a fractional CFO review your books and records, or at least with your accountant taking the time to review, because you can make high quality decisions based on your books and records. And that's going to help hopefully drive revenue and profits. And then when you do eventually down the road, get to the time where you are looking to exit, you're going to increase your exit value. Uh, and you're also going to increase the probability of a higher offer uh, and getting a deal closed quickly. Couldn't agree more. It's probably the single biggest thing that I often see. Either they are commingling personal expenses with their business expenses, or the books are just simply in disarray, or it's a, or or both. And uh, <laughs> or both. N- right. N- neither are good. So I, I couldn't agree more that that's probably the the one big takeaway for today. So Sam, thank you for being on the podcast today for the for our audience. Uh, if you're looking to to know more from Sam, uh, his contact information will be on the website chasingnickelspodcast.com. Thanks again for being here today, Sam. Thanks so much, Alan. I appreciate the opportunity. You got it. Take care. Bye now. The information contained in this podcast is for general information and educational purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for legal, commercial, and or financial advice from a licensed professional review. 